Hey everyone, welcome to Alpha Academy, a cryptopedia for builders. My name is Gam and I will be your host for today. Today we will be continuing the things I wish I knew when starting a crypto company part two with Tatcha, co-founder and project lead from Alpha Venture. Hi Tatcha, how are you? Hey, you doing well? Yeah, glad to be here and excited to share all the bits and pieces about company building, which is a really a weird animal, especially in, in the Web3 space. Good to hear. So just for a quick recap, in the last episode, we were discussing how there are around six challenging processes that builders have to go through. And that includes finding the product market fit, legal, fundraising, community building, token listing, and token mix. So since we've already covered the product market fit, the legal, and fundraising in the last session, so in this session, we'll dive into details of the community building, token listing, and token mix. So let's start off with building a community for your own crypto project. So Tatcha, from your experience, how did you start building loyal community members of long-term investors? Yeah, so I think that starts with yourself and, and your team, right? That you have to have a long-term belief and also a long-term view of where you want to take your project and also how your project will will, will play in, in the Web3 space in the longer term. So that's the really key thing. And then once you have that, then I think it's really about communicating, echoing that message to the community, making sure it's embedded in as much as in all the communication as much as possible. So the community understands that, hey, like this is the the, the journey there. They, they have to get onboarded and, and they should get excited about so I think that like those two are the main things. And I think that another thing that's really important as well is generally, you also have to understand that crypto, by their nature, it attracts a lot of short-term people by default. So it's fine. And, and, and I think you should treat your community members well, even if they're not as long-term. So yeah, there are a lot of times that community members can get angry for, for many reasons, right? So I think best to stay calm, treat them well. And, and in a way, you know, that's going to, convert some of them to become long-term believers of your project too. So I think the, all those kind of play a pretty key part to building a long-term investors of community members. Right. So how do you create like a valuable community discussion to produce this, this strong community? Yeah, it starts with you and your team again. So you have to be the one igniting the discussion. So let's say, you know, when, when announcing milestones, you have to create a space where community want to talk about that. It would be great if community loves talking about that by, by, by their own, right? But I think that's the end goal. The initial stage is that you have to lead the discussion quite a lot. So be it hosting AMA, creating stages for a community to hang out and talk and exchange ideas. And you can also talk to community members on why all these different milestones that you have gone through are important, what they mean for the long term of the project be active on Discord, ignite discussion on Discord as well. So all of those are making sure there are a lot of spaces for community to interact and, and, and discuss. Another thing which I find really helpful is, and, and I think not a lot of projects do it, uh, in my understanding, is that from running your project, you will see a number of community members who contribute more and, and stand out more in contribution, right? So what I do and and I think it's pretty effective is you can even ping them, right? And also ask them to, to join a private group of a lot of the active community members and your team and, and yourself, right? So you can think of that group as like a core community members group 
and eventually you want to develop more relationship with with that group because they're the core members, right? They contribute the most among your community members. You understand their motive. You understand why why they're believing in in, in your project. And in a way, eventually develop a relationship to see how they can contribute more and eventually help them to become the next stage of contributor. So hence, a DAO contributor, right? Which is the next step from, from just, you know, community member itself. So in a way, you're helping them, they're helping you, and, and that group should continue to grow over time as well. So yeah, I think that's the very... I think growth hack way to to produce a strong community that I find pretty effective. Awesome. So once you already started building your community, I guess the next step is listing the tokens to give the public the opportunity to purchase ICO and allowing them to invest in your project. So could you share your experience listing your tokens, for instance, on Binance? What was like the most complicated part? Yeah, I think... The whole experience was very fast. I think it was fast because it was DeFi summer and our project was building on, on, we pretty much like created a new category in DeFi, right? Like leverage yield farming. So it caught the right narrative at the right time and Binance was really interested. And at that point, every day was like a whole week. So every day was like uh, talking to Binance, different discussions all the time. So the whole thing was was super fast. I think from end to end, it was like only a month. And again, this depends very, very from, from project to project. And I would say yeah, one third of your time would be spending on selling them on your project, right? So like pitching, sending various materials, answering their questions based on their concerns, doing different analysis to kind of address those concerns, etc. And then once you pass that stage, like another one third would be negotiation, which I think that's the hardest part and, and the most complicated part because it comes as a package, right? Like the, the whole deal structure, including the price at IEO, token distribution. Sometimes there may even be negotiation on the price of the, the private sale as well. Everything on a table is, is up for negotiation, right? So you have to like structure different versions of the deal such that you're optimizing at the right point because obviously you cannot optimize for for every point. Yeah, and and after past that, which is the hardest part, then another one third would be on on paperwork. So yeah, that's quite a lot of paperwork, a lot of legal documents, etc. That you have to go through. I see. So how did you choose which exchange to list your tokens? Yeah, I think there are several key things that you should look for. One is the exchange has global user base because once you launch a token, you want to make sure that the token gets to the hand of global users and and, uh, become known globally as well. Second is the exchange has high volume and high liquidity. Again, because once you launch a token, you you want people to like get onboarded right away and get onboarded on exchange, meaning trading, getting excited, buying and selling a token. So if exchange is not as active, not as liquid globally, then that 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 may impact how your token is traded on a global scale as well. The last thing which is nice to have, great to have, is support from, from the exchange from various aspects. So let's say marketing, community building, different support post-exchange. So those are, yeah, nice to have. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you think are the things that the exchanges value? Ooh, good question. So if you think about it, right, like exchange is also a business and their main revenue is from trading fees. So whatever tokens they're going to list and the vetting process means that they're evaluating whether this token will have demand in trading and hence they can get high trading fees, right? So if you see some some tokens, a lot of the tokens that, that exchanges list nowadays are not even through like IEO route. Like a lot of those are actually, you know, live tokens listed on other platforms already and then they list it on their exchange because there's a lot of community and, and excitement around that token. And hence they want to capture that trading fee. So they, they want to list it as fast as possible, right? So when you take that concept to apply to IEO or like your, when, when you're initial, initially launch your token on an exchange, then what they would evaluate is, will this project or will this token get excitement from the community and hence have high demand in trading this token, right? So when, when, when that's the, the main thing they're looking for, then usually it comes down to multiple things in combination. So sometimes it's more about, hey, like, how are you differentiating from the competitor if you're, if there are a lot of competitors in the market in that sector, right? Or like, is the problem you're solving interesting? Is the community going to be even interested in, in what you're building? Or if your token is catching at the right narrative at the right time, then that is also a plus. So, so when Alpha launched on Binance Launchpad, we caught DeFi summer narrative at, at the right time. Our first product was leverage you farming and your farming was, was pretty the key thing in DeFi summer as well. So I think a lot of things play together really nicely and, and you should also look to create all these components for your project. Mm-hmm. So once you listed your tokens, like the next step is for investors to actually buy your tokens, which it all comes down to tokenomics. So tokenomics is an, like an important part of building your Web3 project since it's like what makes your crypto valuable and interesting to investors. So since there's many ways to integrate your tokens into the ecosystem, such as like reward programs and governance, how do you decide how you should integrate and distribute your tokens? Mm-hmm. So everything is a tool, right? When, when, when you build a company and especially in crypto, the good thing with crypto or Web3 is that there are so many tools that you can use to, to growth hack your project. Listing on, by, on, on, on exchange is actually one tool, right? There are so many ways that you can list. You can list it on decentralized exchange. You can list on other exchanges or you can list on Binance, etc. So same here with how you distribute your token. You can use token distribution as a tool to growth hack. So... What, what does it mean by, by growth hacking, right? So growth hacking mean, in this case, means how do you distribute to the right people such that the ROI is net positive, right? And what you're giving out is the token, what you're getting. So you have to, to, to evaluate, hey, like, who are the people that, that will help growth hack our project as much as possible such that their contribution exceeds the value that we give out, right? And hence, you will get the positive ROI. So for instance, right, if you want to, if you're at a stage that you want to like growth hack a product, then you really have to think deep into which 
action of that product do you want to maximize? And what's the end goal of the product? Like what's the metric that you want to reach? So let's say if your product wants to optimize for TVL, or if your product wants to optimize for trading volume, then you can structure token distribution in a way that encourages those actions that will lead to the end goal of the product. So a lot of projects do liquidity mining. There can also be other ways. Let's say if you're a, a trading product, you may not want to do liquidity mining, right? You may want to do maybe giving reimbursing gas fee to, to users so users can trade very easily and without having to care about gas fee. And that would make sense if you're optimizing number of users to trade, right? So it depends on like which aspect you want to growth hack. And then after that, right, you also have to think of, hey, like, what's the plan after you reach that stage? Let's say you reach X number of users on your platform. Let's say if you're a trading platform or like X million of of volume, then what's next? Then you're going to launch a second milestone, keep that momentum. What's the narrative after that? So all of these kind of play together. And and it's pretty dangerous if you view distributing tokens as a separate thing, but not related to your whole project or your your whole product. Yeah, I think if you use the token right, it can it can growth hack a lot. Mm-hmm. So what makes a token valuable? Does it like all come down to the utility of it? No, I disagree. I think utility is just a way for community members or just community in general to attach the value easily. But I think there's a downside of having or tying your value to the token value to utility because that means that there's a cap to to how fast and also how much the token can grow, right? So let's say if you look at I don't know so many tokens in 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 Web three or in crypto that are legit project, the tokens don't even have utility, but community really believes in it, right? So I think the key thing is how do you create that long-term belief in the community? So back to your first question too. So I think that belief is, 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 can go a longer way and also a bigger way for a token to be valuable. And some projects approach this belief in different angles, right? Like NFT projects really echo this a lot through their, the, the, the rationale of why they're building and the storyline, et cetera, and really focusing on building community of strong believers. So that's one way, right? Other ways or even other projects focus a lot on growing their product usages such that their product or their project become like the main building block in Web3. And hence people believe that, hey, like if Web3 is going to grow, this project's going to grow and Web3 cannot grow without this project. So hence, you know, there's that belief in the long-term game for this project. So I think it all comes down to that belief game and, and tying the uh, value of a token directly to utility can be a harmful thing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tatcha, for sharing lots of insights today. Uh, just one last question before we end today's episode. Uh, do you have any other things that you'd like to share with our first-time crypto founders? Yeah, I think just be humble. I, I think it there there are going to be many milestones right that that you go through which is great and you should celebrate those milestones but but should never feel like hey like you made it because the industry changes very very fast you might make make it for one week or one day and then 
another month, the narrative changes. No, no one really get excited about your project as much as before, etc. Right. So, I think understanding that is really important because that will impact how you present yourself to community, how you present yourself to partners, to investors, and and just be humble and and continue to to learn, continue to network. No matter how big your project is, there there can be bigger projects and there can be new narratives that that overcome your project, right? So the partners that you may not want to talk to now may be a partner that you might need five months from now. So so just yeah, I think just just that would be the key thing. Thank you, Tatcha, very much for sharing your knowledge and experience with us here today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in and for listening. See you next time.